Episode 62 of the Driveline R&D Podcast. Caravan and Lindley bring you a special episode. This week we sat down with all of our on-site interns to hear a little bit about their backgrounds and hear about their time at Driveline so far. They don't need much of an intro, so I'll keep this short, but I think this was a really fun episode. Remote interns coming up next week. Enjoy. You good? So it's 62. Traveling R&D, up po- <laughs> R&D podcast, episode 62. This is Alex Caravan, director of data science. Hi, Lindley. This is manager of sports science and now project manager of Pulse, Pulse Throw. The, uh, product manager, bro. You say sorry. project? Pro- <laughs> I mean, both, I guess. Yeah, I guess. But product manager is the what most are you sexy title thing. Um, I'm drinking the dregs of... Uh, Chobani coffee. Chobani coffee, but, but no dairy, dude. I, I'm still vegan for my fans out. For my vegan fans out there. Wait, so what is it? Is it? It's, it's like actual coffee. Like yeah, a, if you were to get brew. like cold brew or something. Just cold brew. Oh. Um, but what? Yeah, what are you drinking, dog? I'm just drinking water. I honestly forgot to fill it up, but uh, I think I can survive on this little little bit. I mean, it's like noon. Uh, we did typically have our uh, when we first started recording these podcasts at at noon on Sundays. We were ripping beers, yeah. but. I can't do that today. Well, also we got a special ass episode. Um, as we kind of alluded to on the last episode, we're gonna have all the well, all the R and D interns are are in gym right now, which I think is gonna be around five. They're all gonna come in, um, you know, give us a little bit, ten minute intro, give us a little bit about their background, what they've liked working here, um, what, what projects they've liked working on here, and then some, you know, some personal shit. And R and R and D includes uh, sports science, data science, and. Yeah, so and we'll a good intro, mix. Yeah, we'll intro every every single person. Um, yeah, no, it should be good. And honestly, most of, well, not most, but at least half of them are like underage. Because yeah. I was, I mean, I was just asking Lindley if we had any hard A so we can pour all shots. <laughs> then I figured if we have this on video, dude, there's enough damning shit on video that we've done already. Is this yours? Um, yeah. Oh. You, I mean, you can have Is that some your more second water. drink? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's water. Oh, you're dude. just getting water. They double fisting on the podcast, bro. This is the hard day, actually. Yeah, I, I just blew my own cover. I'm gonna, I'm about to be asking uh, 20 year old Johnny. No, 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 he's not. We're, we're gonna cut that out. We're gonna cut that <laughs> no, out. I mean, I mean, I mean, keep in mind, yeah. If they drink it out of this, they're drinking hard day. So we will put this over here. It's not hard day. Um, yeah. I mean, without further ado, let's let's get it cracking. I'll grab, I'll grab Asel. Yeah. Um, you give him, just give him a little bit. You know what department he's in. Um, I mean, that's yeah. probably all. Johnny Asel. Legend on the blogs, uh, big Twitter account. Lots, lots of sabermetric research out there in writing. Um, he's in the baseball ops department, so managed by Mr. Dan O'Coin. Um. <laughs> yo, yo, Johnny and I got uh, mad chemistry on uh, on DAPS. He offered oh, me a huge. fist pound like uh, five minutes ago, and I just went. Yeah, well, well, <laughs> oh. I started here. I started here, and I was expecting him to just like mix, you know, like as I descend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stuck with my gun. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's pretty good, honestly. But you, know, you just gotta, you just gotta roll with it. Uh, this has yeah. nowhere to plug. In, so yeah. We're just kind of. Yeah, we're, we're chilling. Just, just talk, talk like maybe like ten percent louder than you usually do, and you should be good. Yeah, and make sure to be as, as close to the mic as uh, possible. Short, so I... Yeah, that's right. You can also. Hey. Yeah. And you move it closer to the edge. Yeah, but anyways, we got we got Johnny Aso on the pod. Uh, good to have you on, dude. One of the OG fans of the podcast as well. Probably definitely top three people commenting in the comments. You, Tom Kim, and 
probably Mason McRae. <laughs> just light up the comment section. B- Bornstein has a few in there. Yeah, Bornstein. Yeah, Bornstein. And Bornstein will be all the all the remote interns will be on probably next next episode. Yeah, we'll just we'll just do a classic Zoom gallery view. That'll be hectic. But uh, Johnny, give us give us a little bit of uh, background and um, how how you first heard about driveline and, and what made you interested in, in uh, applying. Yeah, so I go to Syracuse University. I I did a little writing. I'd obviously, baseball obsessive forever. Did a little baseball writing uh, for Baseball Cloud for about a year uh, before I came here. And I read about, uh, I first learned about Driveline in high school, that Sports Illustrated article about Trevor Bauer. And uh, I was like, these guys think about baseball correctly. And for the past like two years, it was, what can I do to get here? So a lot of coding, a lot of researching and managed to get here. The the crazy thing about Johnny that I didn't realize until actually we'd... um we'd already hired him was that you, you pretty much, you've only been coding for like a year or so, right? Like really, yeah. really fresh. Yeah. Less than a year. I started, I started our, uh, like literally the semester a year ago. Yeah. And, and, and you, you were doing Python as well this last semester, right? Yeah. Dabbled with that a little bit. Okay. Yeah. And, um, what's, what's your, what's your preference? Definitely. Are. Definitely. Are. I think partially that's because like never quite got to the place in Python where, uh, where like it exceeded what R could do. Okay. Like we got introduced to the packages. Yeah. And, like, yeah. The yeah. But I'm still I'm still wrapping around wrapping baseball around with what I can do. Gotcha. Gotcha. I nice. think Python definitely has a steeper learning curve too. If, for people that are like, already more quantitatively inclined, like if you're using Python for like object oriented programming, that's you know that's you got to use Python over R. But like people that are have an idea of questions they want to ask and kind of have like a general concept of applying models or, or math mm-hmm. to, to equations i think are like but you plug in way easier and, and, and way quicker um, i feel like there's a lot of like uh just like plug and play visual packages too like you could just r. give it a data set yeah in r they're, and then you just give it a data set yeah. and it just like builds a bunch of plots for it yeah. which i i'm sure there's a little bit of it. i mean that was the reason i got into it so quick it's because i'd done everything in excel for the longest time yeah and then it was re- it was in that r class like being able to generate a visual like that mm-hmm. that I wanted to generate for years. Yeah. And it's like, this is this easy. Yeah. Like, and I'm, doing I'm, it yeah. for a bunch of like yeah. different, oh, yeah. like all, all in one click. And it was like, it was just suddenly like I can handle the road, generate visuals that I'd only been dreaming of. What was I doing on Excel all these years? Yeah. It's a good foundation though, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Just like working with data in Excel. Excel. Yeah. 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 It gives you a good idea of like conceptually and manipulations. I was going to say, dude, Excel, we probably got tired of the default orange and blue. Oh, um, my God. Orange and blue colors. Anytime I see that, like, that's, like, the biggest giveaway that something's just an Excel visual. Besides, it's, it just being, like, not that pretty. It's the same the in Python, blue. right? That we're with yeah. Matplotlib. Like for, the, for, some, for, for, like, uh, for Matplotlib, yeah, it is. Seaborn has different defaults, I think. Okay, yeah. 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 Th- those colors drive me nuts. I know. <laughs> I drive def- my pulse colors, though. <laughs> yeah. Like that. Almost. Almost. But um, a little bit more about your background. So, like, what specifically, or like, what are your main interests when you were when you did start out, like, you know, doing work in baseball in the baseball research landscapes, and how has that changed over like the last like one or two years specifically? Yeah, I mean, I'll ask that question. I'll come up with a follow up. Yeah, I guess it's I guess it's always revolved around revolved around pitching. That's like been the big one because as a pitcher, I had no command, so I didn't get to play any of the games I wanted to play. But 
it's it's just kind of I think in terms of the evolution, it's kind of gone from wanting to quantify pitching in terms of like war and whatnot into like further dissecting, going like, okay, what makes pitch good? And like the further dissection, like, okay, how do we get into the game theory of this? Like what pitch selection? So it's essentially just like uh, starting at the most basic levels of like, okay, how do we describe how how valuable a player is? And now it's just like working it back like, okay, how do we, like what leads to being valuable? Like, how do we develop that? So it's just slowly working the way into play. And and Johnny's kind of an interesting position because um, <clears throat> We we first talked when you when you uh when, when you applied for an R and D internship and at the time like Dan and I were kind of co managing separate departments but lumping them in, in together. Dan was uh, on a split deal with the Reds, so had much less managerial bandwidth. And then when Johnny actually started was when Dan quit the Reds. We let talk about that publicly. <laughs> <laughs> well, too late, anyways. No, uh, I mean yeah he, he still has a, a somewhat of a contract for, with the Reds, but heavily scaled down from what it was before. Um, and I mean, now we have a kind of more tightly knit baseball ops department. I'd say I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm more on the outside than I've ever been since I run the data science team now. And, and Dan has full man with as a manager, but like, how, how's that, how's that kind of, uh, how, how's working in a team like that been? Is that like something you've had experience with before? And yeah, what, what do you like about it? What, what are like, kind of like some of your favorite projects that you've worked on specifically at driveline as well? Yeah, so I've never really worked in a in a team component before, just because you know baseball is such yeah. a it's such a niche thing. You can never really find anybody in high school that was trying to do what I was doing. And then same thing at Syracuse is just easier to code, easier to dive down the rabbit holes by yourself rather than yeah. trying to manage. So it's been it's been crazy to arrive here and just see the like the level of talent and the amount like the 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 intersecting projects that everybody's doing. And the fact that it actually does come together in size, not to mention having Dan as your manager is a very fun experience. <laughs> it's a very fun, fun experience. So having him like both on your sidelines to like, you know, uh, troubleshoot, uh, well, troubleshoot and then also like bounce ideas out, off of. Yeah. But also, yeah, figuring out like what, where you want to go forward with projects. So the one that the one that we're still battling right now, but it's definitely been my favorite has been figuring out what good game callers do. Uh, in terms of pitch sequencing, in terms of just general pitch preference, so the catcher calling pitches for the pitcher, what like what are the what do the good ones do? What do the bad ones do? kind of like? What, how do we dissect that? And it's just been such a rabbit hole in terms of now how we quantify it, and then how we want to try to dissect pitch trends. It's been crazy, but of course, as that fan side of things, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be so much more fun just watching a game, and actually feeling like I know what's going on oh, in yeah. that sense. For sure. For sure. I've noticed the same thing with even with biomechanics. Like before I got into it, um, it was just like looking at a pitcher and seeing his results. Be like, yeah, he's a good pitcher or whatever. But now it's like understanding more about what separates some of the like better pitchers or better movers from the others. Um, it's really like fun picking that or like looking at, at elite athletes and looking at people who don't necessarily fall, fall into that as well, but like still succeed. What, what do you think are some... Um... What do you think are some common things that maybe people just starting out in the field of baseball research like don't think about or don't give enough weight when we can talk about specifically uh, baseball operations like sabermetric research since that's something that you have a lot more experience with. But, you know, someone's first looking at a bunch of StatCast data and going, I want to, we can talk about sequencing going, like (laughs) I want to improve, I want to know how pitchers sequence pitches. 
And that's a very general question. Very, very complicated. Tons of factors to consider. What, what do you think are just a few, like, off the top of your head, things that maybe someone will realize once they get into it, once they've put in, like, that 10 to 20 hours of work, but may not really be apparent uh, right away? In terms of, like, specific insights or just, like, the general? General approach to, like, yeah, like, breaking down sabermetric data. Uh, if, you had, if you were giving advice to someone or someone kind of comes to you with, yo, this is what I've done, and then you're kind of already thinking, like, yeah, but, like, these are common things, or these are maybe a few things that aren't often considered um, off top when someone Jeez. kind of first starts working. I guess that I, I guess I, I guess I'm still I I partially still trying to figure out the question, yeah. but I I think it's also just like well reading reading helps to just kind of get feel for what has been done and kind of guiding your thinking. But the idea that it's never it's never just straightforward answer there is no like golden rule to all this stuff like yes yeah, sw sliders that sweep more are good yeah. like you know uh generally like uh bad game callers call more sinkers stuff like that but everything is interconnected so beautifully that there is it's not linear like that. Yeah. so it's it's understanding and uh what i found is most of the projects is it's understanding and appreciating the inter everything and at the end of the day you may see trends you may try to stretch every different finding but at the end of the day there's just so much going on you know you kind of do have to have that perspective to realize i mean to to essentially take everything with a grain of salt and really view everything analytically i think that's a good answer to my poorly worded question uh <laughs> like yeah there, there's always going to be exceptions right like someone coming in trying to find like oh the best possible fit estimator or something like yeah, maybe you can improve the R squared uh, or whatever error diagnostic you're using, but there's always going to be, it's, it's not just about like finding a perfect model. It's about like understanding like things, outliers that stick out in the model and why they do. And then, you know, maybe treating those data points differently or understanding, like even if this is what that model does, it's going to have limitations. So apply mm -hmm. it in these cases. I think it's like a, a big thing that maybe people are way too optimistic about uh, when they first... Uh, I start working with that data. Um, also, uh, wanted to ask you on, I want to bring up your sleep schedule because I think that's oh interesting and, and, and something <laughs> all of us have noticed at, at Driveline. Uh, we talked about it during the 14 person happy hour at Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> but yeah, do, do you, do you want to kind of talk about your sleep schedule and uh, why you like it? Wait, wait, can, can I start with a, a quick story anecdote? We have this closing checklist thing with R&D at Driveline. So the last person who's going to be um, at the facility basically shuts down, kind of quote-unquote shuts down the R&D area, makes sure the doors are locked and, and uh, everything's secure. Um, and the person who's going to stay the latest is supposed to volunteer, be like, I'm staying the latest. Yeah, I'll do these this checklist or whatever. And the other night, uh, Johnny said he was going to do it. And then he marked it complete at like 5.30 a.m. He's like, I'm not marking this because I'm leaving now. I'm just marking it because somebody else showed up. Yeah, and who was the other person? <laughs> Let's, Let's fucking go. go. I yanked you a little bit there, but <laughs> yeah, um, good chemistry again, baby. <laughs> Where's the out? But yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it was essentially I was always a night owl, and I mean that was the that was definitely a battle in high school, and then uh, kind of COVID happened, and I just leaned into it. Where I mean, you know, all my classes were virtual, a lot of them were asynchronous, so as long as I got my homework done on time and I didn't miss a test, it wasn't a big deal if I was awake or not. So I, you know, I kind of just make sure I, I wasn't going to miss anything next two or three days. And I would just kind of wake up, 
start coding and start researching. And then I would just go to sleep when I got tired. And that kind of led to like aggressively shifting backwards. And that's like the 27 hour thing I was talking <laughs> about. It's essentially like the idea that everybody runs on like, or you're supposed to run on 24 hour cycles. I've been running on 27 hour cycles. So I'm just always moving backwards. So I think to, I mean, I think today I, I woke up, I woke up at like 9 p.m. No, I have no idea. But <laughs> the <laughs> idea is I that cycle, baby. Yeah, it's essentially I just like keep falling asleep like three hours later than I did the previous day and kind of keep backwards. And but then how like do you get a normal like eight hour night sleep or do you extend that a little bit because you're staying awake a little bit? I kind of just wake up when I wake up. I don't know when the last time I used a, an alarm is, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, some I hit double digits pretty frequently, and then then yeah. But the the reason why, as, as opposed to just staying on a twenty four hour schedule like a normal person, is just like when I get locked in. Like I I'm very like I you know if I get distracted, I get distracted, and then I lo- really lose track. Mm-hmm. But when I'm locked in, I. I notice how much more work I can get done. So it's all about not breaking that rhythm. Oh yeah, for sure. So I I'd hate that nagging feeling of, oh man, it's 2 a.m. You should try to go to sleep. It's like, no, if I'm in the if I'm in the zone, nothing's taking me out mm-hmm. of the zone. I'm gonna ride that as long as I can. Yeah. Um we gotta hustle you out of here, but quick question before. What uh how's how's the chess play been out of driveline? I, I know we haven't played and I'm not that good, but I know you've played a few people. Can you, can you hit us with a quick power ranking? Okay, Capo's def uh Michael Capo Bianco is definitely one. Uh okay. both because he flexed his rating and it's just like it's clear he's uh <laughs> he's done some stuff. What 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 is it? What is his rating? I think on chess.com it's like seventeen hundred. Pretty good. Like Masters eighteen hundred? Is that no no, uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but no, it's like seventeen hundred yeah. is definitely like okay. Um I've I've gotten wiped quite a few times by Dean, so I'd probably have to put him number Dean's two. Good. Uh, then I think I think Jake and Jared are are like right there with guys that I just feel like it's it's all you know. If I misstep, I'm gonna lose. If if they misstep, they're gonna lose. Other, but we tie a lot, so I think those are three, four, and then I think those are the guys I've mostly played. Maybe maybe Ethan and then Kyle. Oh, and as and as Kyle Bodie, in case, in case you guys are confused by the the multiple multiplicity of Kyles we have. Um, I saw Ethan and Bodie playing yesterday, <clears throat> and the uh, we have like a tournament going on right, right now. Apparently, we're, so, trying, we're yeah. trying to set something up. Yeah, nice. but uh, yeah, I, I'd hop in if I wasn't flying now. Yeah, in like five hours. No <laughs> man. But word. Okay, thanks. It was thanks, awesome Hazel. having you, man. All right, yeah, let's let's get another one of these uh, solid solid uh, uh, solid it, dabs. It, let's go. <laughs> there it is. Let's go. <clears throat> You don't, you don't need your head. All right, and now introing Ethan Siegel, a uh, new data science intern as of May. Well, I guess he's going back to school, so uh, new and uh, soon-to-be-old intern. Um, but, um, yeah, e- Ethan's awesome. Um, 18, going to MIT in a, co- in a month or two, and pitching there as well. So, I mean, that's kind of doing the intro for Ethan. But, um, you know, give, give us a little bit more background on what your R and D background is, and what got you initially interested in baseball research? Kind of a 
kind of a cop out question considering you're <laughs> pitching, but yeah, just make sure. Yeah, just yeah. make sure to talk real close to the. Uh, Ooh, yeah, no, I think the first thing with uh, in terms of baseball was just like training. I uh, was a pretty serious high school baseball player. Um, wasn't like the most athletically gifted. As dude, a dude, that's a lie. I've seen his triple uh, single foot broad jump. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, always what, looking. What, what did you play in any other sports in high school? Um, I played high school basketball like early in my career, Okay, early in my high school career, but pretty much just focused on baseball for the second half. So, uh, yeah, but um, just always looking for ways to, like, find an advantage to, like, throw harder, um, kind of, like, engineer myself to, like, a, to have a better movement profile, stuff like that. Um, and that kind of drew me into analytics and stuff like that. Um, coming in here, I didn't have, like, the biggest, like, sabermetric background by any means, but um, I took some computer science courses in high school, um, mostly just, like, personal projects. And, um, like, really getting comfortable with programming and, like, the technical stuff. And, you know, I was able to apply here and kind of, like, combine both. I think um, something unique that I have is just, like, feel on the training floor because I'm also a trainee as well that, uh, you know, really I'm able to, like, see both sides. Yeah, fun fact, uh, the first time I met Ethan was actually in Texas. He was training in, in Texas at uh, one of the pop-up shops, shops that we did. Uh, Anthony and I did a couple trips out there with the Motion Capture Lab to to assess a few guys, and Ethan was there twice. So when uh, Caravan mentioned his name is coming on his answer, I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking homie. Popped an 87 before I started mocapping. You know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you popped an 87 in Texas? Yeah, no, but before we started, before we turned yeah. the cameras on. Oh, so really? It was literally in warm-ups. Damn. I have a, you know, I have a tendency to hit my PRs for the day in warm-ups. <laughs> um, Ethan, one of the things that, like, <clears throat> I think it's really interesting about your background as well is, uh, like, you know, you have a lot, a, a lot of software experience, not necessarily primarily in, in baseball. Like, now, obviously, you, you've worked with a lot of, like, baseball-centric data, Um but like for the people that are getting into coding and programming at an early age, what, what kind of recommendations do you have? And, and how do you get like a good amount of experience that this young? Because part of it is our, our own background when we hire. We know a lot of like initial driving employees were trainees that, you know, realized they weren't going to go pro and started working on driveline and, and may not have had like that same like traditional background where, where Ethan's resume is already really polished, I think, at like 18. So uh, yeah, how would you like you know amass those skills so early? Yeah, I would say that you know the the weird thing about coding is that there's a pretty high barrier to entry. Like you need to have like a certain amount of technical skill in order to um, to like really be productive. So like I think the one thing is like understanding that there's going to be a learning curve. Um, I was fortunate to have a pretty good computer science um, classes, like pretty good computer science classes and like a department my high school that I was able to like get like the base skills and then beyond that it was like mostly just working on personal projects like really committing myself to learning more through um, like wanting to get other things done and then it kind of just comes from there I think the experience really just comes from staying at it for a long time. With your personal projects was it mostly what you said you weren't like into analytics right away did you have some like fun like tools or like you were working with little separate tech devices and trying to make them work or what what, what was yeah. like a couple of your fun first like 
personal projects. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't really in baseball, actually, because I never really got into that until I got here. But um, one thing that I worked on over the over like the quarantine time actually was um, it was kind of like working in the stock market. It was mostly just um, like the biggest things were just like personal interests of mine that I wanted to dive deeper into. Yo, how much um, money you make? <laughs> you know, how, how quickly? How quickly did uh, your algorithms see uh, GameStop's rise? Ooh, good question. I'm gonna say no comment on that one. But uh, <laughs> made a little bit. Little bit. Yo, yo, Ethan's gonna be hiring me in three months. <laughs> um, you, you talked about the disconnect between, or not, sorry, not disconnect. You talked about like having that perspective from both sides. Um, you training and then also working on a data team that, you know, at the end of the day is trying to help us train be- uh, players better, train more players uh, better, uh, expand a lot of like our tools and reports and all, all that kind of stuff. What do you think is like one or two things that maybe someone, who is just training on driveline doesn't really necessarily see from like the R and D perspective that kind of like, because at a certain point, a lot of facilities can get players better. You know, if you come in and are relatively young, healthy and put in a ton of effort, maybe like, you know, you're going to gain velo, maybe not as fast as here or as consistently, but at the end of the day, like, I think we have like a really large R and D team at this point compared to other facilities. So, so what, are, what are some things that you think like trainees might not really see that we're, we're working on in the background? Yeah, I think um, one of the biggest things that I see is, um, so we, we obviously have a bunch of data sources here, a lot of tracking tech. Um, I think what a lot of trainees don't see is how much work is put into like the data engineering type of stuff where like we're working on pulling that data from data sources and getting it into a usable format for analysis. Like there's a step in between like collection and analysis that I think is overlooked a lot. And um, yeah, I I would say that that's the biggest thing is that there's a lot of work put into organizing the data beyond just analyzing. Berg said went into the uh, data engineering internship that'll that'll probably be, (laughs) I mean, honestly, I I actually have Scott, Scott put it up on the website yesterday. But we'll probably be tw- getting tweeted out today, um, so before this episode hits. But yeah, if you're a data engineer and interested in working with baseball, and and want to see and want to take over some of Ethan's less verbose than my <laughs> script, uh, yeah, apply. Um, the other question I was going to ask you is, I mean, we talked we we've talked about a couple projects that like some of the some of the projects you've been working on are are actually like more on the black ops side of things, like stuff we're trying to stay a little bit more low key about. But, but having said that, like the stuff you can talk about, what's like one or two things that you ended up doing that you weren't necessarily expecting to be doing during your internship? Um, and what's like, yeah, like specifically, what would you like enjoy doing? And then I don't want to hear about the stuff you didn't like doing. <laughs> yeah, I would say the biggest one was the, um, the edger overlays. And just because like that's been something that. Uh, and you, you, you want to give you want to give a quick like yeah. twenty thirty second blurb on what what that is and what, why we're doing it. Yeah. So the edge overlays. So we have like Edutronic video and pitch design sessions, and we also have like TrackMan and Rapsodo metrics for every single pitch. Basically, we're gonna be we're like pairing the data on the back end and then overlaying it. We have like the Edutronic video, and then our TrackMan like horizontal break, vertical break, spin rate, speed, um, all that stuff, and then hopefully stuff plus in the future. Um, yeah, I think that was a really exciting project for me because just like being on the floor so much, I was able to see 
how the athletes reacted to that. And they really loved seeing that in their track profiles afterwards. And obviously it saved a ton, a ton of time for the trainers not having to manually overlay stuff. So I think that was really cool to me and I didn't expect to be doing that when I came in. Um, what, uh, and I mean, also speaking of edger overlays, we have a few content approved pitches, I think up from, uh, from your own pitch design sessions. What, what's, kind of, what's kind of your arsenal uh, uh, right now? If you're going to pitch like, you know, a, a sabermetric scout, how, how would you describe yourself as a pitcher? Um, all right, starting with the fastball. Um, I have an inability to spin the fastball efficiently, but we got a pretty unique profile. We're at like, I don't know, 16, 17 VB, close to zero horizontal. So I'm like a straight riser with some, uh, with some gyro. Um, slider, um, trying to get like around 80 miles an hour. I averaged 80 today, actually. Nice. Um, I want to throw that like 83, but um, close, to, close to gyro, maybe a little bit of sweep, and then throw a slow curveball like everybody else. So we're trying to throw that one harder. But yeah, that's the three pitches right now. I have an inability to create arm side run on anything, so we're chilling on the changeup or, or like a split right now. Damn, what the <laughs> fuck is Chris Langan doing? <laughs> yeah. Hey, check the Stuff Plus increase. Yeah. Oh, let's go, let's go. <laughs> Oh, so are they going to ask a question? No. Damn. Um, what, 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 what's your style of play like in the field, though? Like, are you, like, what's, what's been, I don't know, do you have, do you have your, your high school uh, stat line? Like, what, what, what pitcher would you most, if you had to pick an MLB pitcher, what pitcher would you say you most, like, closely profile, just even from, like, an outcome basis? Like, are you missing a lot of bats with your off-speed stuff? Or are you more, like, pitching a contact with the fastball? Yeah, I don't know if I can name like a specific pitcher, but I, I definitely like to see myself as a guy that gets a lot of swing and misses. Um, obviously, going into college, I like the main thing that I want to work on is just like throwing it harder. I think that's going to be my biggest limiting factor right now. And obviously, velo scales for off speed stuff as well. Um, yeah, throughout high school, the biggest thing was just like letting my stuff play, being in the zone, getting swing and and then, and then uh, we we asked Asel to rank people in chess. Um, oh, I was gonna no. I was gonna flip it. No, no, no. I mean, I'm, I don't. Want, <laughs> I, we asked every single person to rank the top five in chess. So they'll put Bodhi last. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I was I was gonna flip it to to lifting. I mean, we've lifted a couple times. You're obviously lifting from an athlete point of view as well. So you're consistently in the weight room, uh, and, and we have a decently decently jacked slash in shape r&d team what, what do you got what do you got a uh, top three top five um biggest beast in the weight room from from uh all three r&d departments like combined well first of all i gotta say if we really wanted to test this we could get everybody on the plates but uh, on the force mm, plates but um which hey people forget i'm number two in the leaderboard <laughs> of uh all time for rsi shout out to aaron Rhodes though yeah one. yeah god damn it <laughs> Um, I think number one, I'd have to go Jack Rummels. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Who we'll be talking to in a couple minutes, hopefully, if he's on Motive 3 testing. Yeah. But, yeah, ex-NFL player. I want to see Azel, John Azel on the plates as well. I think he's <laughs> sneaky athletic, sneaky strong. He's got big calves. Um, you know what? I'm going to have to put myself at top five. I, don't, I might be blanking on some people, but, you know, I think the fact that I mean, depending where Oz fits in. I mean, we can we can. Oh, we can true, count Oz. true. Yeah. We got We got to put Oz up there as well. I put. I go Rummels, Oz. No, I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna put Azel at three. I think. I think he could. Mid, wow, he's got a pretty good mid thigh pull. I think his squat jump peak power is pretty good. Hey man, you better get over there, man. You better do some more testing. 
We we did our uh, mid thigh pulls without without uh, straps last time. So. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, when we're doing we force force hooks straps. validation. Yeah, yeah. 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 So we gotta we gotta redo those. For sure. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to I'm trying to beat you with 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 and without straps. <laughs> so I'm not well, using right straps. Now you probably season. could for sure. Oh, I also got to put Hugo up there. Hugo mm. Belisario. Hugo, the um, a a a dead uh, uh, doppelganger for Nick Joppa. I thought Loki. <laughs> what do you think? You, you see? <laughs> so, yeah, I saw it. I, saw I didn't it. notice it. Yeah. I didn't notice it. But okay, sweet, sweet man. Uh, great to have you on. Um, la- last week in gym, right? Yep. Oh, yeah, wait, my last next day week? is Saturday. Done live on Saturday. Saturday. No. So. Step in the box, dude. Get, yeah. get his confidence up. Whiff on three oh, pitches. Give- Confidence up, bro. <laughs> I have to smack you around the yard. I think, um, or are you coming back next summer? Or do you know what your plans are, like, going I mean, forward? Bro, or? next summer, dude. This guy's about to walk onto the MIT team, dude. This guy's got a... No, that's what I'm saying for, yeah, yeah, yeah. for, for yeah. training. Yeah, or, like, no, are I'm, you going to continue? I'm, yeah, I'm not 100% sure yet, but I really hope so. Because, obviously, driveline's the place to be for training. Oh, yeah. um, totally believe in the development and all that stuff. So. Sweet. Awesome, dude. Good to have you on. Yeah, thank you. I'm going to grab my... Uh, Uh, we got no cuts, so we're for sure cutting. Like, we, we got, got, we got, got no cuts. cuts. How was it fun? Uh, yeah. nah. Three, yeah, three, hour, three hours of us just trying to figure out how to spot the mic. But uh, okay, yeah, we got Lauren Netzel here, uh, sports science intern. Um, Lauren, great to have you on. Um, you know, we can get into, we can get into the, the you being, you being an absolute beast in a book. Already interrupting me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a first question. Have you watched the podcast before? I have watched part of it. Back before I interviewed here, I needed to know whose voice was who, and I was, like, just oh, yeah, curious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I haven't watched, like, complete episodes. They're kind of common. There, there, there's, some, there's some funny parts in it, for sure. Don't go further than that, dude. Um, yeah, well, actually, who'd you interview with? Was it both Brady and Lindley? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, both of them. And who's a better interviewer? Oh, you know, that's a tough question. What, what your your interview with Anthony went, like, Two hours. Or yeah, three hours, it was it? really long. It was like two and a half hours. Um, cut me off, Lindley. <laughs> I think at like the hour mark or something. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I was, yeah. You're like. Um, I was like, so. I know Anthony had a really long interview. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get because we could have kept talking forever. Yeah. Forever about. Yeah. I mean, a lot of your like research stuff is, has yeah, been like really interesting to me in the past. I think you and I shared more common. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah let, let's let's have that be the, like the first uh, kind of spiel. Like, you want to give us a little bit of your background and what made you initially interested in baseball research? Yeah, so I am a doctorate student at the University of Nevada. I'm in the Integrative Neuroscience Program. Um, so my goal with my studies is to look at both cognitive and kinesthetic performance. And it was ideal to come to driveline because these uh, both sides of research from EEG and eye tracking um, to doing the biomechanic assessments every day. So uh, that was originally why it applied. Um, but getting into baseball research, I had done some work in my master's looking at neurobiomarkers of proprioception. 
um, in pitchers. And so that was kind of my start into baseball research. And that kind of happened just because of my. One of the, one of the biggest things that was like interesting to me during the whole like interview process was um, Lauren has some familiarity with a, a prototype device that gives you some uh, tactile feedback when you are in a certain position. So you can set, uh, you can talk more about it, but it was just really interesting from like, a company that we do a lot of uh, mechanical changes try to get people to change how they move in in a in an applied way. So not only like just do a drill correctly, but be able to transfer it to the field. A lot of that, but like the missing part of that research, I think, is how um, how somebody's ability to to understand where they are in space uh, goes into that. And and this this tool seemed like a really really cool idea into uh, improving that. I don't know if you want to. Talk about the cat at all? Yeah, so the cat, K-A-T, Kinesthetic Awareness Training, was developed by Dr. Joe Shattuck at Panther Tech. Um, and I got to know her when I was in my master's and I was looking for some more biomechanical research to get involved in. And she had just graduated from the University of Nebraska at Lincoln. Um, and so just an hour drive from Creighton University. I talked with her a lot. Um, she developed the cat because she was a professional racquetball player. Um, so sick by the yeah. way <laughs> yeah she was like fifth in the world at one point. that's insane yeah it's amazing I'm, I'm coming for that i'm gonna start training yeah. racquetball in like five <laughs> yeah. years because dude racquetball you can keep playing like pretty well oh for, like, yeah decades so they, I, need, yeah. I need i need an old man sport but anyways sorry go ahead yeah yeah so the cat you can program it um to any position on your body and to give either positive reinforcement so feedback when you're in the correct position or to give feedback when you're in the correct position. And so I use this to look at uh, the degree of back leg bend in pitchers to get them in that correct back leg position before they stride out because that's the beginning of the kinetic chain of energy um, that will lead to like improved velocities at like the torso and arm level. Super, super cool stuff. Um, and then also obviously with the background in, in neuroscience and cognition and everything, um, currently working on a really cool study that we haven't, we haven't, Anthony did, we like had some case studies with EEG um, in the last couple of years, but this is kind of our first like robust study um, looking into something that's not like um, a physical intervention into changing mechanics or like some cue or something. Um, if you want to talk about more about this, like, I think it's super interesting. It could be really big for us going forward. Yeah. So I am looking at proprioceptive awareness in our pitchers. And to do this, we are actually using uh, Synaptex uh, strobe glasses. So they can either be programmed to a specific strobe level where they're blinking at you or um, fully occluded. And so in my uh, study, we're looking at two different conditions, just performing naturally with the glasses on in their sunglasses mode, uh, performing when they're strobing, and then performing when you're vision is fully occluded and to see if uh, your biomechanics change when your vision is fully occluded and whether or not you have that level of proprioceptive awareness. And this can be super important because it may be able to as like a diagnostic tool as we move forward and to determine where these athletes will fall apart in their biomechanics when they're fit. And we've we've started already collecting data for for the study. Or we've yep. already, yeah, we're almost done. Oh, yeah. We're almost <laughs> finished, bro. I mean, this ain't I, this ain't the I, way to I, I ball study wanna, anymore, no, no, man. I, I, I assumed we, we'd already, but I didn't want to like lead <laughs> off of that. Like, yo, so when is that study finished? Like, <laughs> yeah. we just sent it into. Oh uh, no, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah so so what, what's the what's the current athlete count? Um, like? We are currently at twenty. 
athletes, we're probably going to finish around 34. Okay. Sweet. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. So exciting. Well, well, do you want to talk about your main hypothesis, which I thought was super interesting? It makes makes a lot of sense for me with the different playing levels. Uh, yeah. So the idea is that the uh, higher level of playing or um, the more that you practice something, you'll have a greater level of proprioceptive awareness for what you practice. Um, so the higher the athletes, so like collegiate and professional level athletes will have a greater level of proprioceptive awareness. Um, and in turn, they won't, it'll take longer for their body to fatigue um, with that proprioceptive awareness because they'll have more adaptability. Yeah, it's it's really cool. I think uh, one of the one of the biggest things with this with this study is if we could figure out how to if we can identify like athletes who don't have a lot of proprioception or uh, kinesthetic awareness, and we can try to help use that as a tool address that problem. I mean, you're, are you in a sample? You'd be a good candidate. <laughs> my mechanics are so consistent. Um, yeah, being able to identify a, like any problem in kinesthetic awareness or proprioception and then use that as a tool to help these athletes get into better mechanical positions mm -hmm. um, if that is a problem. So I think it's really fire. Yeah, exactly. So if they have less proprioceptive, we can give them drills specifically targeting where they're falling apart in their sequence and have them practice the drills more frequently than a different drill, say, where they may be already secure in that part of the pitch sequence. Flip them the question a little bit. Uh, how, how has Lindley been as a manager since? Uh, He's been great. You know, yeah. Cause, I mean, because I mean, we, we, we've been teaching. I mean, it's been tough. Me and Brady have been ghostwriting all the DMs to, <laughs> should we just, to you, to Spire. Yeah, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was about to say, to should, we just, should we just do the X interview here? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's extremely attentive whenever we have our one-on-ones. Oh, um, any problems I have, and uh, we work through them. So that's great to have. And, and um, that's good guess. One, one also uh, really cool thing about Lauren is she's an absolute beast at running <laughs> slash just general weightlifting, fitness stuff. Um, I've, I've done a couple of boot camp workouts with her. Shout out Barry's in Seattle. Yeah. And she goes, ham. Yeah. Yeah. She, like, like every time, like you, you kind of at the end, you're supposed to push like, uh, like a sprint on, on the treadmill mm. for like 30 seconds. And, and the most it goes to, or like the default one you click is 12, but then you can keep, keep clicking like the point uh, ones up. And every single time I'm like, okay, I'm just going to send it. And then I get up to like 15.5 and I'm like running hard and I'm, I never really like go ham on a treadmill. So I'm like, oh shit, is this like fast I should be running? And then I'll be like, yo, Lauren, what'd you get? What'd you get up to? She's like 17.5. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> we went each time that the, 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 the person running it, um, Hannah, some of the times will be like, yeah, Lauren, get it, Lauren, yeah. let's go girl. And I was like, damn, I don't, I can only imagine what she's up to on this sprint speed. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Lauren, Lauren's a beast. What, what's, what's, do you want to talk about your, um, like like sports background and how you got like really <laughs> well, good at, at um, running. I used to play soccer at Creighton University, um, and I think that's a lot where my running comes from—the ability to run both fast and for ever. Because um, you're sprinting for 90 minutes when you're on the field, yeah. Um, and it's a lot of change of direction, yeah. change of swag. pace. So that's probably where I got that from. But ever since I stopped playing soccer, which is a long time ago, I'm not as young people think but I appreciate when they do tell me <laughs> I'm young um I ran for a little bit and then just kind of staying in shape I like lifting is my priority um so I only go to berries about once or twice 
week uh, just because I don't want to mess with my lifting schedule, but it is a great workout. Love HIIT classes, love doing hot yoga, um, always up to try new fitness classes. The, the first trip we made as a department to uh, Ballard, went to the breweries. Oh, that was like day two. Yeah, yeah. yeah, day two. Very, very early. <laughs> we went to Matador. Um, and afterwards, Nachos. yeah, yeah, that's right. So for those for those who haven't been to Seattle, Matador or Ballard in general is, is fire uh, if you like beer. And then uh, Matador has the best nachos in town. But anyways, we were sitting down and talking about I'm training for a marathon, um, as I mentioned quite a few times, but um, we were talking about it. And then Lauren just like slid into the conversation. She won a half marathon and me and Cameron were both like, what? Like that is insane. And then we asked something about the pace and she said she ran a 630 pace and was just playing it off like, oh no, it's just, I just played soccer. I just played soccer. It's good. It's I'm just like a good it's runner. Get, no. <laughs> well, well, actually one thing, I don't know if I, I don't know if I ever told you this, but um, one of the first times I was hanging out with Lauren lifting and I showed her the, uh, I showed her the video yeah, of did. us. I told you. No, I she what, told me oh, uh, oh, she oh, saw the and, and mile. She, yeah. And she gave, um, because she, she was talking about like mid foot, heel foot, or heel strikes, uh, and then whatever, just like toe top, strike, yeah, yeah. Toe, toe strikes. And she gave a uh, lap by lap breakdowns of where we were, like uh, like lap two, <laughs> you're more mid foot, Lindley's maybe more heel, you know, like that kind of stuff. And I was like, damn, this, this like, <laughs> yeah, okay, but that workout, you literally also did single leg hip breaks with. This how I got invited to Barry's because because I was just like I, I was kind of I was kind of chilling lifting and then and then Brady's like we gotta go and I'm a big fan of like trying to burn out like something mm. at some point during the workout I'm like all right we got three minutes we were doing uh, hip thrusts I was like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do a three minute set or something <laughs> and then she's like oh shit he, he might be in on Barry's yeah <laughs> he's always he's always hitting me with like oh let me see how long I can plank go for like ten minutes. Did you see the world record was just. Uh, it, it was like eight hours. I think yeah. I saw that video. It was oh insane. Yeah. I've done um, I've done seventeen minutes. Nice. <laughs> that's that's really steel. impressive though. That's really impressive. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was yeah. It was just me and my friend literally just doing like a staring contest pretty much until until uh, one of us quit. It really <laughs> wasn't me though. What? <laughs> I have to question though whether there's hours. Yeah. Yeah. There's. I can't imagine. They're also getting. They're also getting like fed water and stuff like. I can't even Someone's, hold a plank until I get there, Steve. Someone, yes. <laughs> That's crazy. What What is one thing at drive? I don't know if you had crazy expectations for driveline, but what's thing? What's one thing you experienced at driveline you didn't expect to, or uh, just something in general that, that didn't really matter? Yeah, I think what I've been most impressed with at driveline is how collaborative each department is with each other. And that they really feed off of each other day to day to progress through what they're doing in Excel, um, whether it's in research or just in training. Um, we need all need each other to function and mm -hmm. not that we need each other, but it definitely benefits. Um, and I hadn't had that kind of experience before. Yeah, 100 percent. And Lauren's done an awesome job, like working with the for her study. For example, I mentioned the weighted ball study earlier. And I referenced that because it took us two years to collect like 27 subjects. It was a pretty invasive study. Like it was a pretty in-depth workout that had to be done in the motion capture lab. But um, Lauren's study is also, it's not like super invasive, but it's its more than minimally invasive. And she's done a really good job of uh, working with the trainers and getting subjects in, uh, into the lab. So the collaboration thing is huge for sure.
Sweet. Okay. We got we to gotta shuffle you out if we're going to fit right. five people in here. Uh, thanks for having you on, Lauren. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for coming on. Wait, wait, are you doing ba- are you doing berries again before you leave? Yeah, next Friday. You guys are all welcome to come. Next Five fifty. I, I might to, actually to zoom in because I'm mm, flying out tonight. Wait, no, my, my question I, is going to be. I might be sore. My question is going to be uh, favorite because you've done already already a lot of like cool hikes in in Washington, not just Seattle. Fa- oh, favorite yeah. hikes or you've done so far? Oh, I think my favorite hike was to the Tolmy Peak Fire Lookout. I actually made it into a sixteen mile hike and I ran like quarters of it. <laughs> All right, on that note, we got, we got to get Lauren out of here. We got to get Lauren out of here. But would definitely recommend. Yeah. <laughs> Jack Rummels, XF NFL player, uh, PhD graduate. So, Dr. Rummels to you guys. Um, incredibly talented in the weight room, incredibly talented pass, pass protector. Yeah. Pass protection on a moment's notice. That's his Slack bio. Yeah. I I was gonna, I was gonna try to intro him as a kicker. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Just just the biggest kicker in the league. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Good to have you on dog. Um, let's go dude. But yeah, yeah, dude, you got, you got probably one of the more interesting, crazy backgrounds. You, you want to give us a quick rundown on, you know, where you were, how you went from athlete to athlete nerd, and and what what got you uh, initially interested in uh, the sports science position? And, yeah. And, and 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 what's your height, weight, and reach, <laughs> and what it was when you were playing? I guess weight's probably the only thing that's changed. Yeah. Uh, I guess I do the stats right now. The uh, plain height, weight. Well, I mean height. Yeah, is the same. But weight, my heaviest. Uh, it was 315, and then right now I'm about 235 with shoes on. <laughs> How tall are you? 6'6". Six, six. And do you know your reach? Probably around 7. I, I mean, say. you know, more than my... That that's, 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 that's some John Jones reach. <laughs> are you going switch to switch to fighting anytime soon? Oh. <laughs> if, if you hadn't gone in a foot, like, what do you think you're... Um, Obviously, went pro in football. But what other sports do you think like you might have had a shot in if you'd like focused or earlier on? You know what I'm terrible at that's surprising is basketball. People uh, are like, "Oh my god, just kill it!" Oh, like I've got that like you know like what I don't get is like at the post position you're supposed to just explode a hundred percent and then have a little finesse at the end. Have yeah, that touch up shot. I'm exploding in that <laughs> fucking fucking thing. A brick. Yeah, hard bricks. Let's go. I was about to say, I could see you in basketball just like, yo, how do you defend without uh, flagrantly fouling someone? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I did the driveline hoops two weeks ago. I didn't even, I, yeah, they were a little mad at me because I didn't call any fouls on my, I think the reason is, is like, I know if I wouldn't have got fouled, I still wouldn't have made it. Uh-huh. So it's like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. You know, same same outcome would have happened. Yeah, so. yeah. Oh, I thought you were saying the I thought you were saying the opposite. I thought like someone was driving and you're <laughs> and like, yo, come on, you knocked me in the head. Uh, like, I wasn't a foul. Like. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, oh yeah. So uh you wanna just talk about your, your playing background and how you got into Yeah. Um I was kind of just a multi sport athlete growing up. Really got hooked into strength conditioning uh through high school with a mentor of mine, Bill Johnson. 
that kind of led me down the road to strength conditioning. I got to college and figured out that that strength conditioning coach works crazy amount of hours for not much pay. And so I'm like, okay, what's my way of kind of <laughs> hacking this system? And I fell in love with biomechanics because I had a really sweet uh, professor, Travis Ficklin. Actually, you know, he has some of, you know, knows some of these guys on the crew. Yeah. Um, J- 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 Jesse Klingman worked with Ficklin, right? Yeah, yeah. 100%. And he has a that, pretty that's, close that's relationship with uh, yeah. Joe. And- yeah. yeah. Um, and then, you know, for football, I got a chance to do a preseason with the Jaguars. Um, and... Only wanted to kind of give it one season, one go, just because I was kind of done with that chapter in my life. I knew I wanted to pursue PhD. And so right after that, I pursued a PhD at the University of Iowa and got that in biomedical engineering. But it's really just a, you know, I, what I did was work on predictive injury modeling um, for athletes. And I think that's a good, we, we, we talked about this in a couple of meetings, but um, I think that's a good topic to kind of like expose what the public perceives it to be versus what like people working on those kinds of models perceiving them, perceive them to be since, you know, at the end of the day, one of the most valuable things someone in theory could do is predict injuries, right? Because then you paper volume, workload, shout out drive and pulse, um, like, you know, can stylize a bunch of programming. What What are, what are some like misconceptions you think like, a third party that hasn't really like worked nitty gritty with a bunch of that data has forged predictive uh, injury modeling. Because to me, people almost fall into two camps. Either people disregard any output, you know, they're like, oh, there's too many factors at play. I don't believe in robust injury predictions. Or on the other hand, uh, people like buy into it really quickly and go, oh, a pitch count above 120 means this guy's going to blow his arm out. Don't do it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think first off, I would say that like with any kind of moonshot project, you got to start somewhere, you know, like the whole concept of like higher learning is just standing on the shoulders of giants. So if you don't start it somewhere, like it's never going to move. That said, like, I think the biggest misconception is, you know, just collecting a couple of metrics and then calling it good or a couple of workload metrics and calling it good. And like what I really saw in my PhD was huge deficiency in reporting kind of the biomechanical technique of the, of the workload. So like, let's say I run a mile, it's like, I'll run a mile like crap. And so that'll beat my body up like crazy versus Lindley over here, who's been training for marathons. And, uh, you know, he, he's, he's won't be banged up because he's got that technical efficiency. So oh, I think he'll, he'll still be banged up. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. I think just like that regard for what's the quality of that movement, not just like count. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, not to get too theoretical with it, but how, how, how would you generally approach that from a, from a data point of view, like quality of movement? Oh, it is it is a tough question to <laughs> to pop it on the spot. I, I was going to say like one of the things that like like I've struggled with in the past, like working in that range, is figuring out how how like continuous versus discrete. Uh, sometimes like things things like uh, those fall into. Do you want to make it a multi class model? Do you want to like sort people into specific 
qualitative rankings, quantitative rankings. Do you want to bucket people or do you want to treat stuff as like a discrete continuous metric? I, I think I think those are all like really tough questions and and, and hinge heavily on data set, the questions that, that are being asked, like how diverse the data points are, um, the thing, things like that. Because I think, yeah, like treating injury prediction as a very, as that straightforward of a question, like, oh, can this thing predict whether I get injured or not is often like much too narrow of a lens to, to look, at, look at it through. Yeah, I would totally agree. I think, uh, you know, one of the big keys that helped me was, you know, like, at first you want to, you know, do that uh, continuous sort of outcome, but that's really difficult to get with, you know, even the best deep learning technologies right now. Um, and so being able to kind of reduce that complexity in more discrete values or kind of binary outcome helps. And honestly, I think one of the cooler ways I've kind of uh, discovered, I guess, on the injury uh, prediction stuff is more of like a survival, you know, wow. like time till you break. So like if I, if I actually get injured a week from now, my current uh, outcome would be you know, T minus seven days right now. So it's seven days until injury. So that at least helps with the sparsity of like having three injuries. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought you're gonna say. Um, I, th I thought you're gonna say approaching it from a Bayesian point of view. I think that is that is interesting and, and something we talked about not seeing like a ton of necessarily public research ap approaching it from a Bayesian point of view. Which, yeah, yeah you know, potentially a uh, potentially competitive advantage there, and and, and being a little, bit, a little bit more open minded about like the frameworks you can uh, evaluate that stuff through. Yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say that definitely makes more sense, like theoretically in my mind is to. I think it's it's interesting because injury kind of I mean I kind of think similarly about defense like quantifying defense uh, or coming up with a good defense metric because like it, the modeling with injury might be tough especially if you want to incorporate technique because you have to have some like training you have to have some features that you can measure some reliable features but then you also have to figure out what you're going to be uh, trying to predict which both are very um complicated questions as opposed to us like trying to figure out what predicts velo it's like velo is like pretty universally good at this point it's pretty straightforward it's a continuous value so it's like easy for us to it's not easy but like it's less complicated much because, more straightforward yeah we yeah. know we know um or we can just use all these different features to try to um find out what matters that way where it's more more simple than the injury side of thing i know one of the well what what kind of projects um, are, are you know, having already kind of known the answer to this question, but I'll ask anyways. What what kind of projects are you like uh, pretty excited about go, going forward? Like especially with uh, new data streams coming in in our R and D lab. Yeah, I think uh, one of the coolest things that really is you know so I, I started out one of my first projects here was working on kind of predictive velocity modeling uh, with the existing database. Um, and one thing that we got in as I was, you know, starting out was these force plates and, you know, everybody's like really jacked up about that block leg, uh, but just coming from a lineman perspective of like, 
know, when I was a lineman, I had to have the exact same posture looking. So they didn't know what I was going to do out of the stance, but I would kind of preload my feet in different ways in order to explode out in that way. And so what I've kind of been picking up on is that like pitchers that can pitch really good, I see them really focusing on a preloading of that back leg, that drive leg. And for people that don't have a, a you know, fully fleshed out understanding of force plates, do, do you want to explain a little bit like what force plates measure and how that kind of makes for, gives us additional info that we don't necessarily get through our motion capture lab? Yeah, I mean, like, I think a simple way of explaining is that a force plate is just super high powered weight scale that you're on. Uh, you know, and besides, you know, what a, what a scale does is, you know, it just measures that kind of vertical force that you're putting around. But the ones that we have and what most ones have is that, you know, not only can you get the vertical, but you can get a horizontal component as well. And then in addition to that, uh, there's these things called moments, uh, which is kind of that rotational force. So that kind of goes along with, like, uh, I think you're loading a spring up and you're, you know, that's a big portion of the rotational component. And there you have it, Gordo. That's for the training floor, dude. That's for almost explaining the force plates to the training floor. I, I thought you were about to shout Dean out for the with the spring analogy. His, oh, yeah. ha, have you talked to Dean, Dean about his uh, his mechanical model? I've heard people tell me yep. about it, like third party, but kind of with it. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's I think I think it's a good I think it's a good metaphor. But he he I, he doesn't talk about it as much now. The spring, the spring was a big, it was a big one for, um, in the past. There's a little side that I think someone got it out. Like, cause everyone, you know, of course my, uh, profiles like one-on-one -on -one pass pros on a moment's <laughs> notice. Yeah. So everyone's like, Oh, who out of driveline would be an ideal person to go. And so Dean was that guy. And of <laughs> course, whoever did it, I got a random slack from Dean like two days ago saying, Hey, let's set this up. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. Wait, have, dude, you guys, I, have you guys gone yet? Not yet. I think you're going to dominate him, dude. There, I feel like it's, I mean, what do you think? If you're going to lose uh, in a pass protection uh, stand, I don't know, I don't know what it would be called, but, or just a pass rush. Um, what, like, what's your weak, like, what is, what is, who's the person that can beat you? Like, what's your profile of that person? That you that can. Oh, that I feel, because my perception, I'll start with my perception, is yeah. that it's something that somebody that's just like, just insanely quick and slippery, you know, totally. which I don't see as Dean. Yeah, Dean no, no, I, I kind of have that same <laughs> same thing. So like, I've done a few passes. So a couple of people have taken me up on that here, and I've been beaten on two speed or two spin moves um, out of you know a handful of goes. So my my percentage isn't terrible. <laughs> Let's uh, go. But they were both definitely like quick people. I think that definitely extends to like how I play really fast like hybrid outside linebacker guys where i had to really get my butt going for yeah um and honestly like i saw myself as a better interior lineman because i was i consider myself like a hard-nosed offensive lineman that could really just stick you know with somebody kind of bringing a bull rush at me so i kind of agree that Dean doesn't have that, you know, type to beat me. But I told I told him I would give him, a, you know, a good big man move to work on me. Let's go, let's yeah. go. You heard it here. You heard it, heard it here, folks. Dean, Dean, uh, he's being called out. Mr. Jack Rommels, and, and, not going to get to the quarterback. Yeah, no, I, I saw I saw one of the the spin moves, right? 
I was not able to repl- replicate it though. Yeah, yeah. I just ran around for like forty-five <laughs> seconds. <laughs> trying to, while the play's like, been over. Rumble's taking like one yeah. step to the left. I'm like <laughs> yeah. running t- ten meters. Oh uh, yeah, that's funny. But okay, all right, all right, man. Good to have you on. Um, we got to film that Dean stuff and release it on the on the oh, yeah, podcast. Do. That'd yeah. be awesome. Yeah, separate episode. Appreciate oh, yeah. it, Rumble. Let's go. Thanks. And folks, our last guest of the day. For the last guest of the day, we have Jake Spear. How we doing? Uh, what, what was your what was your te- technical title with the team at Fordham? Also, also you want to speak closer to Mike? Uh, technically, I was a consultant. Okay. But, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. For sure. I was just going to introduce as uh, he he helped run the t- like a lot of the technology systems and everything at, at Fordham, which is a uh, Extremely compelling um, from from an application standpoint um, and all that. So I'll, I'll let you uh, introduce yourself if you want to drop some tidbits and how you got into how you got into baseball analytics, how you got with the team, and and uh, what your interests or how your interests led you here. Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah just a little bit closer. You can bring it closer and, to you and, as well, and or louder. Yeah. Uh, work with Fordham team. Work closely with the hit. Uh, mostly, this is. Evaluate, help develop. Hitters really nothing scale that uh, does they did a lot for that. But uh, starting off really simply, last uh, Soto making uh, small reports uh, and in season doing uh, a advanced reports for coming up. Uh, Getting video, uh, really just things you need function for a player. Um, my interest in analytics. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, Sloan Conference. Nice. Uh, when I was- Did you ever go to the Saber ones? Oh no. Big. I don't know if it's. I don't know. Um, so yeah, so, so what was your? Because I, I don't really, I don't really know this. Uh, I'm assuming Lindley does from just looking at your resume when when you're applying. But what was kind of your uh, academic background? Uh, were, were you were you were you academically inclined towards a lot of what you're working uh, at, like with now, or was it more specifically interested in baseball player development or sports player development? And then through that process, you've picked up like. You know, maybe uh, technical skills or academic interest. Like, what, 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 what was it more of a chicken? Like, yeah, which one was the chicken? Uh, I, I'd say. Or egg. I forgot what. Yeah, shit, dude. Yeah, I saw that question. So go ahead. Yeah, I, I'd say interest in baseball. The rest was pitching skills. Um, started reading. Uh, yeah, my, um, I did a little bit of that boredom, but like the the main skill I picked that uh, I consistently for science small scale 
initially science left uh worked at startups uh see back to school so so what are your um computer science like interests like did you have you you code in r python python 3 uh yeah python 3 uh experience c sharp uh i wouldn't say you, you don't need to be <laughs> yeah i don't think we we don't have anything on c sharp right uh i mean yeah i mean closest thing i mean uh all app stuff is in objective c yeah 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 how's how's lindley as a as a manager i asked lauren the same question she, she tore my part bro so you can go <laughs> yeah. in dude yeah i'm said you you cut her off during an interview you're a midfoot uh heel striker yeah. energy let's go that's i think well yeah what, what's um i mean you talked about like the difference in player development systems what's like one thing that kind of surprised you coming to driveline that you weren't necessarily expecting on how we run things like either for for better or for worse but yeah like what are some things that you think maybe a third party that is a fan of driveline uh, and does follow it like off social media but like obviously doesn't work for driveline would be surprised by if they were you know in your shoes i think the extent that on the floor and also behind the scenes besides self-organization yeah and I think people, you know, third parties might do that or might understand. But it's it's one thing to collect the data, it's one thing to process it. But here, really care about taking, getting the app, what to do with that. You know, they can ask questions about the information they're receiving, but by the end, also have understand themselves what to do with that when. Last, what's important, why it's important, how to use it, in addition to online. What, what, what's your favorite project you've been, like, collecting data for or working on while you're here? I know, I know it's been, like, I know you've been involved in, like, at least, like, a half dozen, like, different processes going on. Uh, that fitting's cool. That fitting's cool. Because it's a lot of zero. It's yeah. a lot. A lot. Uh, days is interesting. It's cool. Uh, it's, it's yeah. Fitting. Um, hard, hard to like amass like uh, a large amount of data points too. Like not that bat fitting is easy, but compared to gaze. Yeah. But, yeah. Go, go ahead. Yeah. There, there's also just, uh, but I, I've also really enjoyed helping out on the op yeah. prep. Assessment stuff that's been, yeah. uh, but that's been very interesting. Definitely, perspective, election, yeah, different. like all, all the F, all the work that goes into like you know maybe outputting like one single report or like one athlete skeleton. All those data points, like, yeah, like, without the base, without everything we do, uh, like, leading up to it, you know, like, that, that's what lets us, like, scale our, our system to output all that stuff across dozens of athletes on, like, a regular basis. But I think a lot of times, like, people see that and, like, don't realize that we spend, 
the past year, like the past few years, like building up to that system. And now, you know, now we need a lot of manpower to keep it running. But like without the base, you know, the data isn't clean or precise enough to really leverage like we do leverage it. 100%. Is there anything from like Fordham that you think is or could be implemented uh, better here? And also like on the reverse, do you think there are things that in the way that we um, collect data and use data that could be applied in kind of the team setting? Yes to the second one. That has to be. <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, we don't necessarily do it, do it well. I mean, I'd argue the other. <laughs> okay, that's good. But uh, I, I think really simple things like leaderboards, consistent retests, um, and, and budgeting time test uh, are, are two very simple things a team of scale can do. Uh, just have a collection. Yeah. If that um, just having it be part of the system is, is like important, right? Have, having that like specific, like this athlete barring like something else will retest between these dates. Whereas like, if you don't have that fleshed, like fleshed out and you start missing retests and all of a sudden, like you mm-hmm. have that much smaller of a sample size when looking at retest gains, like, yeah. Yeah. And, and also just because of the scale here, it's, it's easier. That's also something that getting a large amount. Maybe it's you know, cost and photo and separate that. Yeah. Different. Um, so just attention to detail in and having a process to collect is something really simple. A lot of teams can do, I think. And then also the athlete education, I think, is also um, just in. Probably helps with like buying and stuff, right? If they like understand it more, maybe they'll they'll wanna or they'll they'll like wanna participate in the data systems and everything at the school a little bit more. Yeah, I think it also helps to create because uh, if somebody doesn't last on a week, oh yeah, you know that's that's tough. That's, mm-hmm. Speaking of competition, um, you know, we asked ASOL to rank some chess uh, players, Rumble to rate some people potentially in football. Um, I, I don't know how many of those, uh, how many of those fives, how many of those basketball Fridays have you been to? Was this the one I w- went to, or have you been to another couple? No, just about all the last two. Okay, perfect. So, yeah. so yeah, you have you have even more of a sample size than me, although I've played with some of those guys across the years. What's your um, off the top of your head? What's kind of like. Uh, Top five pickup basketball ranking uh, at driveline. What would you say from what you've seen? John's a good player. That's that's John Soderopoulos. Yeah. Um, I was about good, to say good, John good player, is yeah, good, good player, huge douche on the court though. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 he knows that. You've you've heard you've heard me call him out when out, when he's on my own team. Yeah, go ahead. Um, Stokey's a good player. Uh, I've seen his shot off a couple of, but. Um, Langan, surprise. Langan's got a Langan's got a smooth shot, and, and and he has like basketball IQ too. He's not he's not like the most active player. Like uh, you know, he's not gonna be running around always like hitting the the, the cutting lanes and everything. But yeah, he's got basketball IQ for sure. Yeah, I don't want to talk. Yeah, about yeah. We should, we should get Langan on and talk about it. Yeah. Uh, 
those those guys. Rig Richard. Is, I don't know. Oh, oh, he's a beast. Oh, actually, no matter. I, 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 I guarded him for 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 a couple games at least when I played. Um, yeah, Dudo Dudo solid too. I think. Um, Dudo's good because because uh, I mean, when I played, I, I got kind of lucky. I don't know if you. Oh yeah, yeah, you were on my team. Who else? It was me, you, Dudo, and Solder. And, and do you remember who the fifth was? Diesel stepped in after you. Oh, we st- we were on the court. Oh, I, I I I didn't I didn't I didn't lose. I left like not saying it was because of me, but I'm saying I, I like when I left, we'd we'd ran like six and zero, oh. um, and then we just I mean it was weird too because we we were like the third team of five. We'd all missed uh, like the first ten. I make it, you know. Start on the court, mm-hmm. and we all we almost started shots so oh, so like of the people that, that had made threes. But team. yeah, I mean, we got we got lucky because we had a Sauteropolis, who and the reason I say he's a huge juice on the court, he's actually not a douche, but he's just like he, he, he's he's a really good shooter, and then he'll definitely he'll definitely take over games. And then if you want the ball, it's kind of frustrating, but it's like he's also <laughs> making the shots yeah, that really only good. he can make on that court. So it is what it is. Um, but Why yeah, Besky. Oh yeah, it was Besky. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So I mean, I mean. That's a that's actually a pretty solid squad because uh and pickup because because Besky like I mean Besky would get called called for fouls if we were playing strict I'd get called for fouls um but I mean on pickup dude Besky and I are just I mean you know street ball fouling people <laughs> yeah. nobody's getting the paint or nobody's getting clean shot in the paint Dudo's helping stretch the court a little bit John's got a range uh Spire was running uh, dude you you had you had a couple you had a couple slick behind the um. Back back dribbles that were were you know catching people's eyes. That yeah, that was that was a solid squad. Ashi, go I try, I try. <laughs> Let's go. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, Jake. Yeah, that's wraps the- it up for the for the intern intern thanks, series. Sean. Yeah, and, and let us well, let us know uh, how you guys liked that that uh, episode. Uh, either way, we're doing another one if all the remote guys because <laughs> that'd way. be that'd be fucked <laughs> <laughs> yeah. if we don't. Um, all right, that's it for episode yeah. sixty two. I don't know when the this is. Gonna drop Monday on the what is that? The tenth, I think, August tenth. Um, and then we'll probably probably drop the the one from the remote interns for the following week or or uh, after. So I thought the show was live, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Peace. Peace. Bye-bye.